So here's the thing, entrepreneurs, leaders, salespeople, we all want to create consistent, repeatable, and scalable ways to grow our business and our income. And we want to do it better, faster, and more seamlessly. Why? So we can actually enjoy our lives, take vacations, and spend the quality time we want with the people that we love. How do we do all this without spending a fortune or running ourselves ragged? That's the big question, and this show is dedicated to the answer. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited about today. Uh, If you watched last week's show where I was talking about 10 trends on video and then about 10 or 15 video recommendations, things that I thought you could add into your YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, everything else to really become the mayor of your marketplace. Um, As I was done with that, I immediately said, OMG, I know who I need to reach out to next. And that is our guest today, Patricia Stark. If you don't know that name, I would really refer to her as the queen of becoming camera ready. If you want to be more confident, if you want to remove your fears and not just like mental hacks, but like the whole kit and caboodle of what you have to do to be effective on camera, no one greater than my guest today. Patricia, thank you so much for being on the show. Welcome. Uh, Tom, it is so great to be here and so wonderful to see you again. It's been a while yes. that we've seen each other in person, but uh, when you invited me on the show, I was like, sign me up. I'm glad to be here and do this with you today. Well, thank you. So so for the people that are listening or watching, um, You all know that I launched my first YouTube channel in 2007. It was in, I want to say the summer of 2016. I was in New York with a mutual friend of Patricia and I, a guy named Ken Carey and his wife, Barbie. Yes, Ken and Barbie. And that's exactly what they look like. And, and I was telling Ken, I said, Ken, I've got, you know, like a hundred business coaches at the time. And I'm going to be the, I'm going to become the first video first coaching company in my space. I want to be the pioneer of that two way better communication than just over the phone. And he like looked at me and he goes, Patricia Stark. And I was like, uh, give me context. He said, she's the queen of getting people camera ready. So when people are listening right now, if you're one of my coaching clients and you're on zoom with us, you're inside of our platform. Patricia is the origin story of getting our coaches ready. So Patricia, I could gush about you forever, but they, you know, they want to hear from you. I'm, I'm sorry. I just got to give people context. Can you, can you take people into your backstory and then let's get into confidence and becoming camera ready and, and really educate everybody that's listening and watching. So who is Patricia Stark? What do you do and how did you get here? Absolutely. So let me take you way back when I was sure. in school, I was actually very shy. Uh, When I raised my hand in class, I could feel the sweat pouring down my sides. I just was that person that didn't have that confidence and had that typical story of fear of public speaking. And as I went through school and then into college, and I first discovered broadcasting and the communications program that I ended up getting involved with in school, I literally fought through those fears because I knew it was something that I was secretly or internally passionate about, but I needed to find my voice and find that confidence. And one of my first experiences in front of the cameras for a local television station, and they sent me out to do some small like restaurant review type thing. And I can remember till this day that I think in a four minute interview, I said the phrase, that's fantastic, about 27 times as the sweat was pouring down my sides, like in that scene from broadcast news, right? So 
The first thing that I bring into the work that I do is been there, done that. I know what it feels like to have that fear and how debilitating it can be and how it can prevent you from reaching your goals and finding your voice and, and accomplishing all of those things that make that are made possible because of how we communicate. So yes. I went into my career, I, I went into broadcasting, I did the news, I did a lot of health and medical news. And then also along those lines, I did a lot of broadcast, uh, uh, corporate broadcasting. So I would go into, you fill in the blank, whatever uh, industry, and they would all have these television studios and they would want someone to play the news anchor or the moderator or the reporter. So I had that all in my background for many, many years, communicating other people's messages and learning to find my calm and confidence in that area. And then one day I was at a, an event for KPMG, the big you know financial sure, uh, industry sure. people, and we were doing some video for them. And I was reading teleprompter and interviewing people and then these different executives came down and they needed to be in front of the camera. And it was awful. They were stumbling. Oh they didn't know how to read teleprompter or yeah. they didn't, you know, when they were answering questions, they were a nervous wreck. They sounded or looked very stiff. So really just so we didn't have to be there until midnight, I started coaching them through that. And we got out of there on time. And about a week later, they called me and they said, you know, that worked really well. We like you as on-camera and voiceover talent, but would you ever come back just to train our people? And that was my, you know, lo and behold, light bulb moment of yeah, yes. there's a business here. People yes. really need this. And that's when I hung my shingle. And that's now 18 years ago, because I know how much time it is because my son's going to be 18. And I started right around the time that I had him. So I think that you know, what I bring into the table as a media trainer and a public speaking trainer is that I've been on both sides. I've yeah. been on both sides badly and had that fear. And I always work with people from that place of empathy and understanding. And I know that self-talk that needs to go into here first. Mm -hmm. You know, the way that we communicate externally is always first impacted from yes. the way we are communicating to ourselves internally. What is that story we're telling ourselves, right? You know this. Right, of course. So there's so much to, first of all, thank you for sharing the backstory so people understand like we have a legend on the podcast today and someone that, you know, again, if you want to be super effective in video, which I know you all do, like you're gonna get a lot of value out of this. So, so why do you think so many people are afraid to pick up the camera, get behind the camera, you, know, you talk about self-talk, there's no doubt that, that that stops a lot of people, but what do you what do you think is the root cause of it? I think that there are so many things and we could talk about this for a very long time. And I yeah. think there's a lot of individual personal differences as well. But I would say that the most common thread is that feeling of being in the spotlight, being judged, making a mistake, feeling silly, mm -hmm. feeling stupid, just not trusting ourselves so that we know how we're coming across. And it's kind of this catch 22 that people don't want to get very comfortable really watching themselves, really listening to themselves so that they know themselves so well that yeah. they can trust themselves when they're in front of the camera or in a communication situation. So a lot of people will 
do everything they can to avoid the situation. They will not want to speak in front of people. They will not want to you know, put themselves in front of the camera and learn to try to get used to it. I mean, think of the first time that you recorded your voice. Maybe it was an outgoing message on voicemail or when we yep. had all of those oh, yeah. old recorders back in the day. We yep. don't sound like ourselves. Right? It sounds like we're listening to somebody else. It's like an outer body experience, right? Yeah. So yeah. when we're not used to it, it's so foreign and we just don't trust how we're coming across. And sometimes we're not used to going through that excruciating pain of really watching ourselves, really observing ourselves and always looking from a critical eye rather than looking at it from a coach's eye in our own mind and saying, okay, I don't really like how that's coming across. How can I make it better? I don't really like how that looks. How can I make it look better? So it's first really that self-trust and knowing yourself so well that you can just then forget yourself. And the most yeah. important part about being comfortable in front of the camera is to get out of your own way and to be able to trust enough that then this goes away. I did everything I can for my preparation, how I look, how I sound. Mm -hmm. And now I can literally practice the forgetting so that guess now what's my biggest priority my viewer yes yes there is so much to, i'm watching like tristan back here who has also been on youtube for a long time and every now and then we will both watch our first youtube videos oh, horrible right horrible but there's something too and you said it it's about getting reps like the more you do it the more you do it the more you do it but you also talked about the sort of ability to observe yourself as a coach that's hard for people unpack that how did if i really want to get better you do have to have that critical eye but it's not it's not beating yourself up so many people want to oh god i i look horrible i look fat this is that you know i didn't like the lighting and oh i sound stupid i made this mistake not that stuff you're talking about more of like the getting the stage persona stuff right is that am i hearing that correctly or no no, it's all of that. You know, I think that we constantly, I like to compare it to that kind of angel devil, right? On our, on our shoulder. And I think that we all have the ability to have the inner critic or the inner mm -hmm. coach. And which one are we gonna to choose to listen to? And it is a choice. And by the way, I like to try to play this game sometimes with people that really get hung up, that really can't get out of their own way and say to them, look, if you're that self-focused about how you look and how you sound and what you're worrying about, that's really kind of, uh, a, a self, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? A self-centered type of approach. Because why are you doing this? Are you doing this because you want to be famous or you want to be that great on-camera personality? Or what is your, your real your real thing here? Do you want to help others? Do you want to be of service? Do you want to give value? Because if that's your true intention, then it's easier to get out of your way because yeah. people don't really care how great you look and sound on camera if they're getting absolutely no value from you. And Bingo. if they are getting something that can really benefit them or serve them or help them in some way, they could really care less if you're a flawed human being that doesn't look that great on camera. Because guess what? They're going to think you're the greatest thing if you just gave them something that's going to help their life or their business in some way. That was so well said. I feel like we can just end it right now. There's like three mic drops in the middle of that. Like, so basically if you're narcissistic and you're completely self-centered, you're forgetting why you're shooting video in the first place. 
It's not about you. It's about them. It's about your, and you know, like the great Seth Godin always talks about you, like your vibe attracts your tribe. Like you're going to find the people that like you. You're going to find the people that love you. And in the meantime, you'll also find people that don't like you and make negative comments. And all of that is okay. Cause you're finding the people that, that are your peeps. So, so let's let go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, I've worked with so many different people over the years that are you know, names that you would know that work in front of the camera. And going back to what you said originally at the beginning was I've seen their early tapes. None of them are good. Everybody who's good at anything all once was a beginner. And I got the tape to prove it on, on a lot of people that you would be you know, surprised about that they had the same growing pains, the same doubts yep. and fears, and all of those things that we share as human beings. So, you know, being behind the scenes and working with these people over the years and then even just seeing some of their early stuff because of working in the industry you know that's given me such great insight you know when I go and I speak with younger uh, groups or at schools or colleges like that's the thing that I will say when I start most of my speeches is that the greatest gift that I've been given through all of my coaching and training is to see that everyone has had these doubts and fears and worried about how they were coming across and how they were going to be received and were they going to be liked or not and anyone that has a great following, you can be rest assured that there's probably an also I hate so and so.com somewhere because right. there's no way that you can, uh, you know, be the all things to all people, and there's no way that everyone is going to like or need what you have to give. It's just not possible for anyone on the planet to achieve right. that, right? Right. You are so on, like, so spot on. I love it. Okay, so let's let's do a workshop for the people that are listening right now. Okay, I'm in the room with you and I want to become camera ready. Before we even talk confidence, like just camera ready. Like what's your list of everything they have to do to just crush on video? Yeah. All right. So then you want to make sure that your technology is good, that your camera is decent, that your lighting is great. Because if you set up your shot and you're framed well and you fixed your hair and makeup and picture wardrobe and you're feeling, you know, pretty much okay, good enough today, right? Yep. To present yourself. If your lighting is bad, you're going to look bad. If you're talking down at people over the camera or not framed correctly or really far away, your presence is going to be very minimized. You know, television. Yep. And video is an up close personal medium. We we yes. want it to be there to replace when we can't be one on one with each other. And right. lighting is everything. But I got news for you: it's simple these days. I mean, one ring light placed properly in front of you pretty much solves everything. And you know, when I started out in the industry, the equipment was tens of not hundreds of thousands of dollars. And now it's like pretty much affordable for entry for anyone to be yes. lit well, to look, you know, really good. And, and all of that stuff that used to, you know, be so much more of an investment and yeah. really just to make sure that you have a plan in place. And then also to always remember that it doesn't matter if a hundred people are tuning in or a million people are tuning in. Everybody wants to feel like you're having a, just a one-on-one -on -one human conversation with them on the other side of the camera. It's, it's really just to get us where we can't be with someone. And, and a lot of people, when they first start presenting in front of the camera, they get all official, they get all presentary. They feel like they have to, you know, I'm giving a presentation now. And it's the opposite 
of what we're all craving. We just want you to chat with us and discuss things with us one-on-one -on -one as, a, as a human being. And when we look into that camera lens, we need to know that is the eyes of your viewer. And think about where we digest our media. We could be you know, sick in bed with our television on there. We could have our cell phone in all kinds of intimate places in our home or looking at our laptop in our pajamas, having a cup of coffee. We're where people are trusting us to let us into their personal spaces. So yeah. the last thing they want to feel like is that there's this guard up on our end. We need to be as authentic and organic and in the moment and real with them as possible. And again, always picturing that there is a human being here through, through that lens, that it's not a faceless mass of audience that, of strangers that we don't know. And, mm -hmm. and you know, there's only two ways to get information out to people. You can push it out to them, you can present to them, talk at them, or you pull them in with your rapport, with your stories, with your humanity. And that's what we have to remember. And that's the first thing that goes out the window when people are uncomfortable in front of the camera. Yeah. All right, tech, camera, lighting, mic, all of that needs to be right. And the good news is today, there's so many videos on that. And the truth is like, this wonderful little device solves for a lot of it. I've got the little extra ring light that I can put right over the, like the little baby version versus the big version that's up here versus, you know, all the other lights. Um, you, you mentioned angle. You don't want to be too far away, but you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be too close. I also follow that same rule, which is like this right here is the eyes and soul of the client I'm talking to. Like I literally say, this is the eyes and the soul and I want to connect with them on that level of sort of, I don't know, deep and meaningful level, even when I'm presenting like a tactic or a strategy. So I love all that, but you said plan in place. Unpack that, because I think this is where a lot of people get stuck. They, they're they running fast, they're super busy. Some of the people that are listening to this are some of the highest producers, performers in their space. So they're running at a million miles an hour and then someone says, okay, Patricia, we got to shoot some video, ready, go. And they're like, uh, right. How do you, how do you recommend organizing plan? Yeah. Because if you don't have some kind of skeletal structure, what's going to happen is those ozonums, that verbal graffiti is going to happen because you're going to be right. grabbing for content and grabbing for words, the, you knows the, to be honest, all of those filler phrases are going to happen. Yeah you're going to feel like you're rambling and you may forget some of those most important things that you wanna have. So you have to have a goal. You have to say, all right, if this is gonna be a two minute video, a 30 second video, a 10 minute, whatever it may be, you're going to say, all right, what are like the three main themes or what are the five or six points, whatever it may be. And you know, we, we tend to remember things in threes as human beings. There's a lot of studies yeah. that show this, that yeah. if I'm trying to remember something I'm putting out there, if I group it in threes, I'm gonna be more likely to remember it. And on the audience end, on the, the receiving end, it's easier for them to digest three things as well. So uh, like I, I worked with someone recently that is used to going on air and doing like a two or three minute segment. And then suddenly someone asked her, she's an interior designer. Someone said, we'd love for you to do a half an hour 
on this. And she panicked. She's like, how am I going to fill a half an hour? And I said, all right, well, let's really think about this. All right. What are like three topics that you really love that would really resonate with your viewers that you think is something that, uh, you know, you could really give a lot of good content with them. So she picked three topics and I said, okay, so now let's take each of those three topics and under that do a subcategory of what are the main three things of that first topic? What are the main three things of that second topic? And so on the third one. And now we're going to talk about maybe three minutes on each. Suddenly she's had 27 minutes of content with no problem. And she was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I can fill that amount of time. But chunking it down like that was what was really important. And so let's say that you want to do two minutes or six minutes, just write down those bullet points, but don't write down verbatim content because then you're going to be like, oh, I was supposed to say it this way, or I should have said it this way. Just have the skeletal structure of that, you know, rundown of what you want to hit and when, and that's more easy to keep it and maintain in our head Mm -hmm. when it's just those bullet points. And then that will keep you on track. And it also then forces you to be very in the moment, really not memorizing, but internalizing what you should know, you know, whatever your expertise is that hopefully you eat, sleep, drink, and breathe, and it is your passion. And as long as you just have that skeletal structure, you should be able to then put on the flesh and the fat in a very conversational manner, but still know where you're going. And then just like a, a pilot, know how you're taking off, and know how you're landing because the wrap up is where most people screw up because they're just like, I don't know how to wrap this all up in a nice happy bow. So then maybe remember that the, the people remember most what we say last. So what's that taste you want to leave in their mouth? What's that last thing you want them to walk away with? And it can be the three most important things to remember, or what's that one action item that I think it will benefit you most from everything I've said today that you can run with and take action on right now. And boom, that's how you say goodbye. So it's, you know, how am I getting in? How am I getting out? What are those main bullet points? And pretty much that's all you need to go out there and, and feel like you're not flying by the seat of your pants. So I'm looking at Tristan. What do you think about that structure? Okay, you're not, you come over here. Sorry, sorry, I'm inviting, inviting my producer into the show who I'm, as you're talking, Patricia, he's literally doing this. He's, he's like nodding. He's like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So what do you, what did you think about? All so that? It, it's funny. Um, I've had my YouTube channel for about four years now, and it wasn't until last year that every single video that I've done from last year up until this past Tuesday, I literally have bullet points written out in front of my, in front of me on my laptop. Okay. I'm going to talk about these things. And before I had an idea of what I, what I want to talk about. And I would do it, but it would take me so much longer to get my point across to the point where I would get frustrated on camera and I'm only five minutes into the video. So now that I have my video structured, I get through it a lot faster. I'm more concise and I say exactly what I need to say instead of just kind of ballparking it and letting things flow through my head. And I just end up in a word vomit and pissing myself off. Exactly. And don't you find that when you have that structure, it's not, it's still flexible because it's just a skeletal structure, but it's almost like you can find your flow, right? And it's actually more enjoyable because you know where you're going. So you're confident, but you're free enough to just be conversational, right? Exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's funny because again, four years in, and I'm just now learning this a year ago and I can't, I can't see myself. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't see myself not writing out any more of my videos moving forward. So, yeah. 
Thank you. Yeah. You bring up a great point because that's the purpose of us doing this today is right. to not, you know, make people have to take four years to get there. Now we're showing yeah. how you can do that shortcut and start yeah. there rather than graduating to that place. 100%. And so Tristan, think about how many Tom Ferry shows where I would literally say, okay, I'm going to cover this topic, this topic, and this topic. And, you know, sometimes because it was very technical, I'd have like scripting or, you know, something like that, that Patricia, you would have to give them like the exact language and you don't want to mess it up. But outside of that, I'm like, hey, welcome to Tom Ferry Show. Today, we're going to talk about these three things. Like that was it. That was it for like five straight years in a row. But, but give me some insight. So this has been awesome. Give us some insight on in your experience, what is the best way to start a video and then let's get into what's the best way to like to end a video. Cause we, we, you touched on it a little bit, but in your experience, somebody wants to thinking about today's world of like, you got three seconds to hook me and then you're out in your experience. What are some of the best things that people should do to start? Well, what I'll say is that years ago, I had a friend that was a producer for the Dr. Oz show. And I remember this term came up where she was saying that it's called sexifying something and it's all right it's a little strange mm -hmm. of a term but what the difference was was instead of saying today on dr oz we're going to be talking about the five most healthy foods that you can eat to live a long life so the sexified version of that would be today on dr oz the five foods that will put you in your coffin stay tuned you know, so obviously we're getting your attention, but of course. the same thing is if, you know, when you really think about what that subject line should be in your yep. email to really make sure yeah. someone opens your email, it's the same thing. You want to grab my attention with some, you know, interesting fact or a question or something that's going to pull up my emotions or make me feel like, well, wait a minute, I, I, I need this information. I better listen to this. And it's not a bait and switch. Hopefully you are really you know, coming through and giving them the content that is going to make that difference. But yeah. it's, it's that, that attention grabbing kind of headline that says, look, I know there's a million things that are trying to buy for your attention today, but yep. I'm going to tell you why you need to listen, look and stop because this is going to be worth your while to give me that little bit of your time. Have you ever, um, Thinking back to our connection with uh, with Ken and Barbie, I remember uh, walking into not their current home, but their home prior to this in Newport. And in his office, there's you know many fine leather books, right? But there was one book that sat right on his like you could see it, like it was the thing he went to the most. And almost every page was dog-eared, and there was notes inside it. And the book was called Words That Sell. Have you ever seen that book? I know the book. I haven't seen it, but I've heard him talk about it. Yeah. It's uh, for all my people out there listening. Like what Patricia is saying is it's, it's about headlines. It's, you know, you're walking through the grocery store and you turn to the right and it says Michael Jackson's alien baby. Right. And like, you know, there's a picture of like a green alien. You're not even sure what it means, but it sucks you in. And if it doesn't suck you in the hard part of, you know, today's world is there's so much content. You got to punch them in the face and get their attention and then immediately start to deliver on it, right? So, so you think that, is there a second hack outside of provocative headline, provocative opening, I like sexify also, uh, is there something else beyond that? I think also to have it come across that it is going to help 
make your life better. So when I, I've coached a lot of the hosts on QVC and some of the guests and things like that yeah. over the years. And QVC has this kind of ideology of saying, you know, everything that we offer is either going to make someone more money, make them more beautiful, make their life easier, you know, make their day go better, whatever it may be. It, there has to be like a goal. How is this going to help me in some way? So no matter what everybody is tuning into, whatever network or website or podcast, yeah. they're all all really tuned into WIFM, what's in it for me, right? So right. if we can give them a line that shows them what's in it for you, you know, is it going to relieve my stress? Is it going to make me more money? What is it going to do for me? That is also always an attention grabbing line. Like when I do my newsletters about my, my confidence, I will always try to tie that form of confidence into something that is going to hopefully benefit the person in some way enough in that little bit of a line that they'll say, you know, maybe I should just quickly, I get so many emails, but maybe I'll open this one because yep. I can hopefully use a little tidbit in some way. Love it. So for the people listening, remember too, this is different from how you're going to tag the video or uh, the language structure inside of YouTube where it wants to be a very, um, let's just call it YouTube SEO friendly, but that quick hit punchy, how do I engage people? What about closing the video. You talked about something that I've seen a lot of people do, which they literally say, okay, that's the end of the video, right? Cause they, cause they don't have a, a formalized strategy for completion, whether it's the wrap up or I don't want to get ahead of it, but like what, what have you seen are the best ways to finish a video and have the user go, I feel complete. That was good. Yeah. Well, I think that having a standard kind of tagline at the end isn't necessarily a bad thing, even if it's, yep. just, so if it's just a one-liner. You know, like I used to do these medical and wealth, health and wellness things. And at the end, everyone, you know, we give our little summary and then I'd say, take care and stay healthy. And they just knew that that's how we ended the show. So that is a consistent way of letting them know I'm done now. So that that doesn't mean I couldn't give them like three things to remember right before that, or maybe end with an inspiring quote that makes people feel really encouraged or, you know, I'm going to go out and seize the day, you know, whatever it may be. So I think it's really great to tie in with your brand and who you are as a person, a way that you might say something. So I have a friend who will say, you know, make it a great day rather than have a great day because she feels that it's up to you whether it's a great day or not. So yep. I think that when you are branding, you know, what your style is and who you are, if you can come up something that really is, you know, you putting your personal fingerprint on who you are and what you bring that's unique and you have that little, you know, ding, like little that stinger at the end that represents yep. that, that is really memorable. I can't help. I'm thinking of like Ron Burgundy, stay sexy, San Diego. Right? Like well, remember it. Right. But there's something, you know, I was going to ask you, like, do you feel that's campy? Um, but the answer is clearly no. Like I know for well, me, he does years, it well, yes. Yeah, I mean, but it, you know, like that, I think that was the point of the film, right? I, I ended a lot of my early videos with strategy matters, passion rules. Like, like that was sort of the Tom Ferry thing, right? Like strategy matters, passion rules. Um, but I'm thinking about for like a real estate agent or a loan officer or a, a tech company that's maybe doing a podcast now. Um, I think they've, there's got to be a creative way to end it that's just significant and important for them and for their base, right? So I like that, make it a great day versus have a great day. Or what was your one with the health and vitality again? Take care and stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, that's it, right? So something like that. Okay, good. So we got some opening stuff. We got some closing stuff. I love the three for the plan. You talked about 
also um, the one-on-one connection and not coming across overly presenty. Uh, when people are nervous, how do they do that? Hey, it's Tom Ferry. Question, what's your favorite social media platform? Are you big on Insta? Do you love to tweet? No matter where you answer, I'd love for you to connect with me there. All you gotta do is just type in at Tom Ferry and follow and let's you and I connect. I wanna be able to deliver the right content, the right ideas, the ways to help you grow your business, stay fired up, keep moving, be in action and run plays that work in the platform that matters most to you. So subscribe and I'll see you there soon. Right. So it's practice and it's so easy to practice now. I mean, you, if you have a zoom account, you can sign on and have your own little zoom moment with yourself and record it and practice Mm -hmm. over and over and play it back and watch how you're doing this and watch how you're coming across again, know thyself, which is what breeds that trust in ourselves. So you can always practice and then remember to tell yourself, look, it's not about you. It really isn't. I get it that we want to feel good and we want to, and we should do everything it takes prior to being in front of the camera to have our act together. We want to feel like, you know, we look like, you know, we would if we we're going to go on a job interview or go somewhere. We want to feel good. We want to feel presentable and we want to have all everything technically sound and, and be prepared, right? But then when we get in front of the camera, there's nothing we can do any longer about our preparation. Can't do any more of that. Can't do anything about how we look at this point what our wardrobe is or how we sound. So the only thing that will really anchor us is to truly practice that forgetting and say, okay, I'm going to really focus now on making my viewer be the priority. And one effective thing that I work on with my clients is I'll say, just be a teacher. Like, remember that teacher that you really loved, that you knew cared and knew had a passion and really wanted you to learn. So if you put your kind of teacher's hat on and you really look into that camera and say, I want to really feel that those light bulbs going off in my viewers' eyes. I want them to really know that A, I care and B, that I'm here to help them learn or benefit in some way. And you know, yeah. when, you, when you remember those teachers who we loved growing up, whether it was elementary school, high school or college, and they were in the front mm-hmm. of the room and really trying to help us learn, it didn't seem like they were self-focused or so self-hung up at all, right? Because they were forgetting about themselves. They were there trying to help somebody learn something. So if you right. put that, go into that mode, and don't worry so much about you know what people are thinking. Like, here's a great tip too. Never ever envision a critic or someone judging you. Picture sure. someone helping you. I mean, somebody that, that needs your help. So quick story. Yes. I had one of the cooking networks come to me with one of their chefs. She was a um, female chef doing pretty good but she, they said that she kept getting really nervous when she would talk to the camera. She just was stiff, she was, something was off. But then when she yeah. would get into her recipes and making the stuff and doing the business of it, she would relax, right? So when I started working with her, my first question to her was, who are you talking to? That's really what I usually ask people, who are you talking to? And nine out of 10 yeah. times people either say no one, I really wasn't thinking of anyone. I wasn't picturing a human being at all. I can't tell you how often I hear that. Or they'll say, oh, the audience, the viewers. Sometimes they'll say my best friend and I'm like, okay, thank God it's one person. But she looked at me and she said, I'm talking to my father. And I was like, all right, well, that should be okay. So we dug a little bit deeper, you know, we built a little bit more rapport. And I just finally said to her, I was like, can you tell me a little bit about your relationship with your father? 
And she's like, well, my father was from Japan. He was very, very strict father. He, we have a very good relationship, but he always wanted me to be a doctor. And he was very disappointed that oh, I became yeah. a chef. So what this woman was doing, even though she was on a national network with a show, getting pretty good feedback, she was constantly in her mind being judged by her father and disappointing her father when she looked into that lens. So as soon as we found this out, I was like, okay, you're never talking to your father again. This time you're going to talk to some woman or guy who just burned the crap out of some recipe and desperately needs your help. It changed everything for her. You know what's so great about that? I mean, as a sale, everybody's in sales and marketing listening to this. They understand like the buyer's journey, persona marketing, who's your avatar. So I've got tech prep connect. And, and the next one I wrote down is role model. Like who, who's your role model? Like you were talking about the teacher. Did you ever read uh, Todd Herman's book? Does that name ring a bell? He wrote a book called the alter ego. And his whole thing was, if you want to be more confident, like, like I have a photo of Jimi Hendrix, like across from me here, or the, the Los Angeles Lakers, like you would channel someone that you were like, she's got confidence, he's got confidence. And he would say, you'd like step into that character in front of the camera or making a presentation or whatever, whatever the project you were doing. So I'm a huge fan of like role modeling and and all of that. Um, back on your list though, earlier, you said there's two ways to communicate with people, pulling them in or, and I forget the second way, but it sounded like more pushing out the message. Could you unpack that a little bit? Yeah, so when we're pushing out, we're literally talking at people. And it's just all about, okay, what's my end goal here? Let me get out, let me just, I've gotta do a newsletter, I've gotta do a video, let me just get this content out because now I've committed to this and you know, I'm supposed to do this once a week for consistency and to build my numbers and build my audience. And you know, we get so locked into all of that stuff that we're literally just churning it out, pushing it out, pushing it out, right? And no one likes to be spoken at. I mean, think of any time that you have gone to a seminar or been anywhere, you can Mm -hmm. tell, or or, or shopping, you know, when someone comes up, nobody wants to be pushed at and and spoken at and presented at. But we all like when someone just chats with us or better yet, tells us a story. We all know in school growing up as kids, didn't that feel like a break time when suddenly it was gonna be the time for the video or the film or the movie or the documentary or whatever it was because it suddenly was like a break from feeling like we were being like taught at. We were like, oh, I can sit back. And how many times have we watch something or listen to someone and not even realize that there was a moral to the story or a lesson because we didn't know we were in learning mode because we were in storytelling mode. And we were like, wow, I really learned because it was easy and it flowed and it connected with me, you know, all of my emotions. And I, I, you know, I saw myself in this character or, you know, I saw myself in these stories and these situations, you know, when, when, even when you read personal and professional development books, it's not just like, okay, do this and do this next. And then here are the five steps to this. There's usually stories woven in of how we worked with clients or how things were effective and how someone's life got changed because those stories are what weaves it together and makes that human connection and that human element that we've been talking about be the the main theme, not just here's how you do this right now. And it's as simple and cut as dry as that. Yeah. So there's been so much, um, so many books and articles and content created around storytelling and storytelling 
in my experience, is definitely one of the ways you pull people into your message. Um, do you have any insight around like sort of your tactical approach? If someone said, yeah, I just, I'm struggling to connect with my audience and you're like, you need to tell more stories. Like, well, how do I do that? Right. What so they don't all, they don't have to be your stories. They can be stories that you've right. heard from other people. You can literally go on the internet and search themes and ideas of, mm -hmm. you know, what happens when someone is in this situation or you know, learning from, and you can, you can create stories. You know, I work with a lot of authors that uh, to help them on their media training, uh, their, their book tours and things like that. And I can't tell you how many times they've told me that they discovered in the writing process when working with editors and publishing companies, where they're like, you know what, you can make up a story with, you know, fictional characters that represent the point yes. that you're trying to make. Yes. And so it doesn't, because many times if you are if you are using real stories, you have to change people's names, you have to keep, you know, yeah. privacy matters and things like that. So you have that kind of creative license to think to yourself, how would I create a character? How could I create a situation that really brings home the point that I'm trying to make here. So, you know, maybe it's maybe it's something with real estate where you could tell the story about where someone really had their heart set on this home and they were devastated when it fell through and they couldn't believe that they they didn't get this house and then, you know, years later, here they are in this home and they're like, "Oh my god, thank god that first house fell through because this was really where I was supposed to be." I see now looking back why those things happened because I was really meant for something else. So that's just like, I just thought of that to my, so once you start getting in that's that. That's actually super oh, relevant. That's super relevant to what's happening right now in housing. That was a great story. A great, a great example. Sorry. Okay. Um, but so that's, that's all I'm saying. Once you start yeah. training your brain to look for stories or think of them or even create them in your mind, you start getting more of that. You start getting better at that and you start noticing it. You know, even when I remember when I first started creating content for uh, social media, you, you struggle a little bit. And then someone at some event said to me, well, just go look and see what other people are doing. Don't hijack it, but see what that topic is. And then how do you put your personal fingerprint on that topic? Right. How do you spin it so that it's based on your advice, but centered maybe around a similar goal? And that like opened up the whole world to me because I was like, okay, you know, I think someone once said, there's only so many ideas in the world. Okay. We're not going to create and reinvent reality. There's only so many things that go around, but no one's ever put your fingerprint on it, your way of looking at it, the stuff that's happened in your life and your past. So as long as you put this thing on it, that nobody else, by the way, has the similar one to, as you do in the entire world, yep. no one can touch your work and your life the way that you can because nobody else has that so it's so great you validated one of the things i've been saying for years to my clients which is like hey look the data is the data on housing but your opinion about it that's what i want to know you're my agent you're the mayor of my town you're my loan officer i want to understand your opinion about this because the data is the data is the data so i actually love that hack um so now i've got tech prep connect role model pull versus push Right. And all of that is, you know, wrapped up in storytelling. Let's talk about this whole comp. Like, do you have a copy of your book? I have not got a copy of your book yet. You know, I have, cause I, I, I only got the digital galley. They're supposed to be yes. sending me the physical galley. Yeah. I don't know if I'm allowed to share my screen, but I can pull up a, an image. Can I do that right now? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. When's the book going to be available? 
So it is in pre-order right now in Barnes and Noble and uh, Amazon and some other booksellers, but it will be physically published on September 21st. Love it. Love it. Can we get the digital version sooner or is everything coming out in September? Everything will come out uh, in September, but you yeah. can pre-order it ahead of time. Uh, hold on. I'm trying to share my screen because I want to do this without having you have to see my entire messy laptop, but I think you're going to have to see that at some point <laughs> actually you know what we'll just put it up on there don't worry about it okay you got it there it is do you see it all right so let me I just love it so, okay so, so give, us, give us the origin story for the person that's listening right there's four parts of this book but give us the, like why did you write this book what is the purpose who is your audience what is the message what are you trying to achieve Sure. So the book title is Confidence, which is a blend of common confidence. It is a term that I registered trademarked for training and products, and I've got quite a few uh, registered trademarks on it. Initially, it was the last chapter of the book. And then I suddenly realized that it was the theme of the entire book, and I changed yeah. anywhere I would use the term confidence in the book yeah. to confidence. And then I came up with the four sections. And the reason that it was this term was throughout the coaching and training, when I would work with people and, and and, you, and anyone, you, you fill in the blank as far as level of talent, expertise, you know, when they were, if they were someone famous or an artist or a CEO of a company or just a regular Jack or Joe that wants to go on a job interview, the same themes kept coming up that they all wanted to obviously be confident, but they wanted to find they're calm so that they weren't getting so much anxiety, so that they weren't getting stressed out, so that they wouldn't blank out, have that, you know, mind blown moment of, I don't know what I'm talking about right now. So those two yeah. things together was really the magical combination of what everyone wanted to kind of have. And then when I started thinking about the book, I was like, you know, everybody's in the spotlight these days. And this was even pre-COVID when I right. had been working on this book sure. and pre-Zoom and things like that, where, you know, not everybody is going to want to be on television. Sometimes you have to be as a necessary evil and these days more than ever. And not everybody's going to be a public speaker, but we all have to communicate. And it was once said that all speaking is public speaking, because unless you're in a room talking alone by yourself, you're public speaking. And the craziness of it being such the biggest fear. Uh, and many times it's not even a fear that because of something happened to us, it's because we hear about it. We hear that people are afraid of, it, we hear other people's horror stories, etc. So yep. I wanted the book literally to be for anyone that wanted to be able to communicate with calm and confidence, both internally in how they speak to themselves with their self-talk, and then of course, how that impacts their external communications. So I put it into four sections so that it would be easy to follow. And the reason that the everyday confidence section starts it is because it's the foundation of how we wake up and show up in the world every day as a human being based on what we're saying to ourselves, what's the story we're telling ourselves and how we're going to go about our day and, and what the foundation is going to be for our personal lives and our work lives. And then part two, resilient confidence was, you know, we're going to get knocked down. We're going to fail. Bad stuff's going to happen. We're human. You know, that's the one thing that none of us can escape is that you know, this is, can be a tough world and a tough life. And, you know, when we get knocked down and how do we have that grit and how do we have that growth mindset to know that, you know what, this sucks, but this is usually when I look at, I look back the times I've grown the most when things have happened like that, when I've, you know, gone and you know, had to retreat 
so that I could reemerge with force later on. How do we do that? And then the third part is communications confidence, which is obviously my background and what I do. And I start with the internal and then graduate into the external, which covers everything from sounding more confident, body language, facial expression, um, you know, again, what we're doing internally and how that affects externally, and then wrapping it up with natural confidence of who doesn't like some cool tricks and tips and secret remedies of foods and natural things that we can do rather than having to, you know, have a glass of wine to calm down or take a prescription that, you know, could possibly be addicting. What does mother nature hold in the strangest and interesting places that can help us to maybe soften that fight or flight response right before we go into a tough situation. And then coupled with what are those exercises, those mental exercises that we can do to relax, to control our breathing, to control our blood pressure, and even to get a better night's sleep the night before something important is about to happen. So that's the whole book in a nutshell. I, I can't, A, I can't wait to read it. I can't wait to listen to it. I feel like this should be a book for every ninth grader for the rest of the world. Like you with me? Like, could you imagine? Like, I think about like when you said it earlier, like I remember being told most people would rather die than speak in front of the public. And I, you're the first person that's ever said, you're always public speaking. If you're communicating in front of someone, you're public speaking. And yet we know that that, like that's a major factor for people. So, so I can just see this book being the kind of book that is a, it's needed because the problem is enormous. And like for my audience who just wants to get better at it, they want the hacks. Like I know there's going to be a ton inside there. So I strongly recommend you get this book. Uh, if you're one of my coaching clients, please get this book and let's all get better. Um, but let's go back to just like, like maybe just three tips on confidence. What are three things? Get rid of this. That, I'll stop my share. Yes. All good. All good. What are three things that we can do the night before and before we start. So I was giving you six, three and three. That's okay. So the night before is to, first of all, kind of just get rid of everything that's been in your mind. It's kind of like cleaning out the pockets of your brain, right? So let's say that you are wearing a suit or, or pants. You wouldn't just go throw it down at the end of the night or throw it in the laundry without, you know, checking, getting the change out, making sure your wallet's not in there, you know, make kind of getting that out, right? We don't normally do that before we go to bed to kind of just unload everything to go to sleep with a clean slate. Um, in um, Dale Carnegie's book of many decades ago, you may know it called How to Stop Worrying and How to Start Living. Yeah. He yeah. talked about this idea of living in daytight compartments where he said that anybody can get through any one day by just dealing with that day alone. So you can get from waking up in the morning till going to sleep at night, if that's all that I am worrying about. And he talked about how younger people tend to do this. They just focus on what's happening right now. You know, let me forget, let me not worry about yesterday or tomorrow. Boom, what's in front of me? As we get older, we start to pack it on and worry about everything that happened yesterday, what's going on today, and oh my God, what's gonna to happen tomorrow? And those three days simultaneously is too much for any human to bear, right? So yes. 
to be able to just focus in chunks. And I'll chunk this down further with my clients that you know have to go on the Today Show for 10 minutes and they're dying a thousand deaths for two weeks leading up to it and yeah. talk about, no, you know what? We're going to make a time and a place and you're going to put things into your calendar for, you know what? This is when I'm going to freak out for these 10 minutes, stress out, and then talk to myself about what can I do to make sure I'm prepared psychologically, spiritually, you know, physically, et cetera, and then have a game plan. So the night before, do some kind of download. And whatever that means is let go of the stuff that you don't want to bring into tomorrow. Write yeah, stuff yeah. down that you want to get out, crumple it up and throw it away if you have to. Or make a to-do list and then put it away and say to yourself, you know what, there's nothing I can do about this while I'm sleeping. So I'm going to park that over there and then I will, you know, come back to it again tomorrow. And then at the end of the day, right before you fall asleep, the next thing is say to yourself, what went right today? Because a lot of the times we're laying there thinking about all the stuff that went wrong. Remind yourself and just pick three things. Even if it was a lousy day, there had to be right. three things that went right. Otherwise, you know, you would have crashed and burned or something really horrible would have happened. So pick those three things. And then when you're laying in bed, just literally just relax your body. I, I read a great thing recently where it said uh, that pilots, when they wanna uh, go to sleep very quickly, is they do this hack where they will lay down, they'll relax their face, then they'll relax their chest, they'll, then they'll go down to their thighs and their calves, and then they'll picture that they're laying in a canoe in water that's gently rocking and they'll see stars in their mind's eye and they'll just float and then they'll repeat to themselves, Think of nothing, think of nothing, think of nothing, think of nothing. And just going over that, they tend to fall asleep about a half an hour to 20, 20 minutes to a half an hour faster than most people. So I actually tried that recently and, and it really worked. I was actually shocked. Um, but so the best thing that you can do is that self-talk, that unloading, and then um, re that relaxation so that you can get a decent night's sleep. And then when you wake up in the morning, I've gotten into the habit of, three things I'm grateful for today. Yeah. And then someone told me this a long time ago, when you get out of bed and you put one foot down, you say, thank, and you put the other foot down, you say you, and you start your day off saying, thank you for this day. I'm going to start off with gratitude and I'm going to get up a little bit earlier. And rather than checking the phone and checking and being inundated by all of our technology and everything, go to that one place that you have for five minutes Catch your breath, close your eyes, and envision the day as you want it to go, not go. worrying about how you don't want it to go. And this is so effective, but I've got to tell you, most people don't do it because they get caught up. They're like, okay, I don't feel like getting up, or I got to spring up. I got to get the kids ready. I got to do the million things that we got to do. And they don't give themselves just the, the few moments of silence, of visualizing, getting the mind right, and then deciding what do I want to have happen? So you're, you're controlling your day rather than your day controlling you. Yeah. I think, uh, first of all, I love all of that because I use a lot of those hacks, but the canoe thing with the pilot, I'm like, oh, I was always told flex your entire body and hold it as tight as you can and then try and relax, you know, from kind of head to toe. And that's another, that's another like a little like relaxation, chill from the day. Um, but I think about, uh, for everybody listening, one little tip I would recommend is uh, Google the word eustress, eustress. So we all know stress, but eustress is positive stress, right? So there's a big difference between like, 
oh my goodness, I'm about to go in front of the camera and I'm interviewing the mayor of my town and I'm, I'm stressed. Like that's what everybody said. Oh, I'm stressed. I'm nervous. I'm a little anxious. I'm like, no, 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 no. You have eustress. This is positive. You're about to go interview the mayor of your town and you're going to, you're going to basically ride their coattails and get a bunch of PR for your own business. This is awesome. And just by giving people another word to define it, it changes their focus, right? Eustress versus stress. Yeah, I think that's great. I'm going to steal that and use that. And I think that it's super effective because being able to label it, because I will talk to my clients about how, you know, that same feeling that you get before you're doing that thing that you're nervous about is the same feeling of going off the high dive or, you know, doing something that is pleasurable. And that's why there's all these extreme sports, because once these guys and girls kind of plateau and get desensitized to it, they want to up the ante because they realize they love that feeling. You know, years ago when I was first starting out on my local television here, I had the opportunity to interview Helen Hayes, who was this iconic actress of stage and screen back in the day. And she lived in Nyack near where I I grew up. And I remember she was in her 80s at the time. And this is probably around the time that I had that interview where I was saying, that's fantastic, 18 times and the sweat was pouring. And I said to her, you know, I can't stop getting nervous and I don't know what to do. And she looked at me and she said, honey, if I stop getting nervous, put me in my coffin that means I'm done. And I was right. like, what are you talking about? And she said, that fire in your belly is a good thing. It means you care. She said, the, yeah. the butterflies are going to happen. It's just our job to make them fly in formation and work for us and not against us. And I can remember a tipping point in my career where I get that nervous feeling before I was going to go live and it felt awful and excruciating. And then all of a sudden it switched to where I was like, oh, this means I get to be in front of the camera. That same feeling I started to label differently. It meant something exciting was about to happen. Something good was about to happen. And I'm just going to add on one little thing here, going back to what I talked about earlier of making the viewer be your priority and, and, and being kind of that teacher mindset. If you always think of yourself as an advocate for the viewer, that really puts you in such a more positive place because if you're mm-hmm. going to be giving out information and that co- potential customer or client feels like you're advocating for them on their behalf, that you're trying to you know, it, it make them be educated and empowered and uh, understand certain things that are important for them to make better decisions and they feel that you're their advocate, boy, you better believe that creates a lot of trust and credibility and people will seek you out because they're like, I need this person to advocate for me. Right, right. This has been really awesome. I'm really glad we did. I was like, you know, I I knew, I knew when I reached out, I'm like, please be on my show. Please be on my show. I knew you would deliver a ton of value. So, so as we get near wrapping this up for, uh, for all my listeners out there, I can't wait to see your comments, whether it's on YouTube or Podbean or wherever iTunes, wherever you're watching this or listening to this. Um, but close it out for us, my dear. Like, what do you think is like for the person listening right now? Who's like, okay, I got it. Like tech prep, connect role model, pull versus push. The three things thing was brilliant. Like Tristan was just like, Oh, that's it. Like that's like, that's the secret sauce of like removing the fears and the prep. And I can't wait for confidence. Just kind of closing thoughts from your standpoint. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you've heard the saying that, uh, when you, when you face the fear, the death of fear is certain. So, If it's something that you have been wanting to do or dreading to do, but you know you need to do it, 
just start working through it. And the first step is, is the hardest, but I would recommend videotaping yourself, watching it back. So and don't show it to anybody. Yeah. You, you get to know how you get to know your tools, which are your communication tools, your voice and your facial expression and your body and really watch it and watch other people and see what they're doing and what you like and, you know, try to emulate it, but in a genuine way, I know that you were talking about, you know, that alter ego. And while yeah. we might all have that, I also don't want people to go too far in that direction to feel like they're For putting sure. on something that they're not because being yes. genuine and authentic is super important. Right. But yes. just know that they're called growing pain for a reason because it, it is uncomfortable but the whole idea of working in the media and and being in front of the camera and even on stage comes down to getting comfortable being uncomfortable and at some point you get desensitized to it but that can't happen without just doing it so record some things that no one may ever see you know, create some material and some content that only you have to look at. And then if you have a trusted friend or someone that's an ally that you know is going to give you constructive feedback, not, you know, just going to beat you up or tell you you're wonderful and, you know, ruin you by, by praise, make sure that, you know, you, you, Get someone there that can give you real that really good feedback and, and honest feedback. But the main thing is just do it. Create, get in front of the camera. There's a million, you can do this on your phone by yourself and then delete, hit the delete button. But the right. more that you watch, the more that you become familiar with how you look and sound, suddenly you'll, you'll kind of be removed and not be such a critic. And you'll be like, okay, you know what? That wasn't so bad. Let me try it again. And know that it's a process. Give yourself the time to allow it to be a process. You're not going to go from A to Z, right. you know, with, and I'll tell that even with clients that I work with, I'm like, I can't like transform someone in one session. It, it's a process, but allow that process to unfold and allow yourself to be human. And also know that when you are a little bit kind of raw and gritty and real, and there are some mistakes yep. and, and stumbles, people like you more because you're like yeah. them. Yes. You know, think about how we all walk around. We're not scripted, perfect people talking. No. We all correct ourselves. We make mistakes. We laugh at ourselves. It's like, whatever. So just know that that is more endearing and, and people trust you more when you're more like they are. If you're super perfect and, you know, all plastic and unattainable, people don't like that. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I'm having an awkward moment of how do I close the show? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Patricia, thank you so much uh, for my friends out there watching. Uh, if you Google Patricia Stark, uh, I would also highly recommend you check her out on Instagram, which is where I probably watch the most. I know Facebook and everything else. Um, you're still doing live events or trainings. Is that is that on hold? Is it coming back? Like a lot a of it's virtual there. now. Yeah, my my one-on-one -on -one coaching is you know virtual over Zoom, and then I do a lot of workshops and seminars for companies and organizations, and you name it. Where I'll just give a presentation, they can have Q and A, we can do some exercises and things. So most of it is that now. A lot of my health and wellness uh, moderating, I do at some studios here in New Jersey, and that's a separate part of my my business. But yeah, I sure hope that soon we can yeah. really be back there. Like when I came out to Irvine with you that time and yep. I think there was like 200 people in the room and you had that glorious stage and the energy in the room that there's nothing like being yeah. amongst people and I, and I pray that we're almost there I think we are uh, and I'm sure that you missed that too 
One million percent. I can't. I just. I can't wait to hug people, high five people, take a selfie, have an intimate conversation. The walking between, you know, it, down the hallways, getting getting caught up with friends. Um, but I also love the fact that I've done like seventy five talks this year, and did it all basically from my studio. You know what I mean? Like I think you'd almost like for many of us and you included, we've been able to scale ourselves and and reach even more people, talk to even more people and do it in dramatically less time. So there is a flip side benefit of efficiency, but I miss I miss the hugs and high fives. Like me too. And I think that we're gonna operate in a hybrid world moving forward. It was kind of yeah. like when ebooks yep. first came out and everybody thought that regular physical books were going to go away. Right. Well, that didn't happen. We see the yeah. value of both. So that's yeah. what's going to happen with virtual world versus yeah. in-person world. They're both going to have value for different reasons and they're going to make sense at different times. Yes. And then when we do yeah. want to yeah. be together and can be together, thank God that we will be able to be, uh, you know, eventually. But I don't know about you and, and, I'll, and I'll wrap up because I know we're, we're almost out of time, but when I first started training virtually, I mm -hmm. didn't like it because I was afraid I wasn't gonna have that intimacy and build that rapport and have that connection. And I was thrilled to see that yeah. it, it became possible because we need each other and we'll take this if we can't have the in-person and we'll right. make it work. So right. moving forward, it will be a, which one you wanna do situation. 100%. Well, thank you so much. And all the coaches and all of my community, thank you. Whether they knew directly, now they, now they know directly, you were so instrumental in helping us become a video first coaching company with all my coaches that there was resistance. And now they're like, I can't even imagine making a phone call. It's just weird not being able to look in somebody's eyes and see what's going on in their world. And like, did you have too many drinks last night? Like you, you see it all, right? So it's, it's so beautiful. So, all right, well, let's wrap. I'm going to let yes. you, I'm going to just, I'm sorry. I have to interrupt yes. because the coach and trainer. I love and it. With that being said, Tom, I want people to please remember that that pinhole on their phone or on their laptop is the eye of the viewer. So as much as you want to look down at the boxes of the faces with the people on it, you have yeah. to resist that urge. You need to look both when you're talking and when you're listening because people will feel right. like you're really listening to them if you're making the contact with the camera because looking down here is a big disconnect and you have to fight that urge. It's so hard. <laughs> it is so hard. Okay, well, there's been a lot of nuggets here, but we do got to run. So, all right. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank, thank you, everybody, you. for the time. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much again. Love it. And for all my friends out there, make some comments. If, if it resonates with you, share this with someone that you know that, that maybe needs a little more confidence, especially in front of a camera. All right, we'll see you on the next podcast. Take care, everybody. If you want more information about this episode, including my show notes, mentions, links, and everything else, make sure you visit tomferry.com slash podcast. That's tomferry.com slash podcast. Thanks again and talk to you soon.